and hello to the people online as well. Welcome, good, good to have you with us. Now, um, last week I pointed out, if we can just go down to the next slide, uh, that there were six main covenants through the Word of God, and uh, last week I skimmed through the, the first three of those, and today I'm going to try and skim through the other three. Uh, but what I'm really going to do, I'm going to spend most of my time on the Sinai or the Mosaic Covenant, which should really be called the Israel Covenant because the covenant was really with the people of Israel. Moses was the, was the facilitator. Uh, but I will speak a bit about the Davidic Covenant and the, and the New Covenant. We'll just, we'll just touch on those briefly. But we'll talk about, we'll show, we'll go through the outworking of the Mosaic Covenant and we'll see the disobedience and everything that came out of that as well and why it really pointed to the need for a saviour. So uh, I'll be skimming along, but I'll be doing a little dive here and there just to bring up some things that maybe you hadn't seen or things that we don't lay emphasis on normally, but like what I did last week. That okay? Good. Okay, let's just, let's just pray before I get into it. Father, we just thank you for your word. We thank you, Father, that you sent your covenants which reveal your kingdom the unfolding of your kingdom from the time of Adam to the time of Jesus and on into our time today. Father, I just pray that you help me to bring your message today, that it will bring understanding, that it will bring insight. And after these messages, we'll look at your word differently, that we'll have an understanding of how these covenants string together and how through the covenants you bring out your unfolding glory, your unfolding message, your unfolding revelation of Jesus Christ, the Messiah, who is our eternal King. We thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. So, after Abraham, God spoke to Isaac and Jacob, the descendants of Abraham, and he gave them the same promises, the same covenant promises that he'd given to Abraham. The promises of descendants, of land, and of blessing. And when Jacob was about 130 years old, a great famine had come across the land. And God led Jacob, and Jacob led his family off into Egypt, where they were taken as guests of Pharaoh in Egypt. But unfortunately, they didn't stay as guests, because in time, the Pharaohs changed, the leaders of Egypt changed. And they didn't know that these people had come in as guests. And they turned against the Israelites and they turned them into slaves. And it was a heavy burden for the Israelites. And what the Israelites did was they started calling out to God. And God looked down from heaven and he heard the cries of the Israelites. And God remembered his covenant that he'd made with Abraham. The one that he'd repeated to Isaac and to Jacob. And he decided he needs to rescue his people out of Egypt. It was after a period of 430 years, which was in line with the promise that he'd given to, to Abraham. And so God gets Moses, and he calls Moses along to lead the people out of, out of Egypt. Now, Moses had grown up in, the, in Pharaoh's court, so he knew how to go and address Pharaoh and talk to Pharaoh. And he walks in up to Pharaoh and says, let my people go. And of course, what did Pharaoh do? He resisted. And of course, there was 
the ensuing number of plagues following uh, God's message to Pharaoh to let his people go. See, Moses was just God's spokesman. And came down to God's final act where he was going to release his people from Egypt. And we know that final act was going to be the death of the firstborn amongst the Egyptians. And for the Israelites to be spared that death, they needed to have a sacrificial lamb and put blood on the doorpost. And that would cause the death angel to pass the Israelites home and they wouldn't suffer that death. Now there's an aspect to this thing that we just don't always get and it's not always spoken of. And the aspect that's that the word brings out is that God gave them that as an instruction. He said, from this time forward, you must commemorate this event, this event, event that was called the Passover. This must become an annual event for you in your calendar every year. But the key thing that we miss at this point is that this is an initiation of a new covenant. We never see it that way, do we? We tend to think of the covenant the Mosaic Covenant or the Sinai Covenant is something that takes place at Mount Sinai. But in actual fact, that covenant took place right back in Egypt. The word says, this observance will be for you like a sign on your hand and a reminder on your forehead that this law of the Lord will not pass, will, will be on your lips for the Lord brought you out of Egypt with a mighty hand. And they needed to Remember this year after year. Now, what are the clues to know that this is a covenant? He says, this will be a sign on your hand. Remember last week when I spoke about covenants, I said that they would often make a mark in their hands on their wrist. They would rub uh, ash or something in there. Uh, there could be other signs for covenants. We spoke about the rainbow last time. We spoke about circumcision last time. And these were signs, these were marks. And the marks were there to be reminders to the people that they were in covenant. I just want to give a sort of bring it into a modern day context just to get our understanding properly of this. You know, most of us live in a house and we've got a property and there's a boundary between you and your neighbor. And that boundary is a sign. It's a sign that this property on this side belongs to me, the property on that side belongs to my neighbor. And uh, I may have papers, title deeds, that this, this is mine and that's yours. But, you know, you may have a situation where there's a history to this boundary. And God instructs you to tell your descendants after you and after them and after them, down through the ages, about this boundary. And you need to celebrate every year this boundary. And you need to remind them of how you got to this place, how this boundary was set up there, and why the boundary is there. And in doing that, they're reminded of the history of this boundary and the rules surrounding the keeping of that boundary in place. And in this case, the observance of the Passover was that boundary. Okay? It was that mark. And God wanted them to observe it every year. Ultimately, it would be called a Sabbath. You know, we, we tend to think of the uh, six days of the week and the seventh day is a, of, is a Sabbath. But in actual fact, if you get down to Leviticus 26, God speaks about seven 
festivals in the calendar of Israel. And they ultimately became seven Sabbaths to Israel. They didn't necessarily correspond with the seventh day of the week, but they were special Sabbaths, a little bit like what we would celebrate Christmas or Easter, special religious holidays every, every calendar year. And so the Passover became one of the prime Sabbaths in Israel's calendar. Finally, after the outpouring of the final plague, God led the Israelites out of Israel. And three months later, they were standing at the foot of Mount Sinai. And we get there, there's two key events which take place at Mount Sinai. The first is a call to obedience. You see, God said to them, if you obey and keep my covenant, you will be God's, then out of all the nation, you will be God's treasured possession. You will be for me like a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. Now, you might actually recognize that. Because if we fast forward to the New Testament, 1 Peter 2 and verse 9 says, But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his light. God had called the Egyptians, called the Israelites out of Egypt, out of darkness, into his light, the light of the covenant, the light of the law that he was going to give to them. So we see out of this, you know, we tend to think of God of the old covenant and we think of God of the new covenant, but God has never changed. God called the people his special possession. He called them to be a royal priesthood because his intention was that they needed to take the word out into the world. And fast forward to, to the New Testament times and God is giving the exact same message to us today. They failed. The question is, have we succeeded? So that was the first thing that God does. He calls them to obedience. And remember in the other covenants, God always spoke to them about obedience. That's what God is looking for throughout all the ages. He's looking for obedience. And the second key event which takes place is that God gives the law to the people. But he starts out. He says, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. If you've got a King James, out of the land of bondage. And why does God say that? Because he's pointing back to the making of the covenant. You know, if you read Deuteronomy, and I can remember years ago reading uh, Deuteronomy, and you know, every now and again, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. And I think, why does God keep repeating this? The reason God is doing that is he's expounding the law to the people, but he's saying to them, this is the law or instructions as it, more, as it would be more correctly referred to. He's pointing them back to the making of covenant. He says, you made a covenant with me. I am your leader, I am your God, and I'm giving you the rules to obey, to follow this covenant that I've given you. And these are the rules. If you follow these rules, you will keep the covenant. It's a little bit like that fence that I spoke about just now. You know, as long as you stay on this side of the fence, you're in good keeping with God. If you want to ignore this fence, hang on, you, you, you're going to be in trouble. You're going, to, you're going to violate these rules and these laws that I'm giving you. They pointed right back to Egypt. Now, after giving the law, 
the instructions, the people are ready to go into the land. But what do they do? Oh, no, this is too hard. They forget this covenant-keeping God. You know, they, they, they go and create a golden calf. God says, there's the land. I've given it to you. They say, oh, no, 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 it's too hard. We can't do that. They forget. They land in a disobedient situation immediately. And God causes them to wander around the desert for 40 years until that generation of people who were alive at the time when they came out of Egypt had all passed away. And it's the old story. You can get the people out of Egypt, but you just can't get Egypt out of the people. And ultimately, there were only two people who came out of Egypt who actually went into the land, and that was Joshua and Caleb. Eventually, the people enter the land, and God's plan was for them to live in the land, to live in the land in peace. God's plan was, them to, was for them to remember the sign of the covenant, remember the Sabbaths that God had put before them, and they were meant to celebrate that, that every year. And they wanted, God wanted them to live with God as their king, but they kept falling into disobedience. They didn't remember the sign of the covenant. And God had to send judges to rescue them time and time again. And eventually the people turned around and said, God, give us a king. We want to be like the nations around us. What I love about the word of God is back in Deuteronomy chapter 17, God had said to them, don't take for yourself a king like the nations around you. And then he said, but when you do, God knew that they were going to do it. And so they came to that place and they chose them for themselves a king. And God had given them those instructions back in Deuteronomy 17. And the kings just failed to follow these, those instructions that God had given them as well. They just fell into disobedience. But just let's look at those kings firstly. The first king was, was King Saul. And King Saul started out well. And he, he recognized his God and he worshipped his God. But he fell into disobedience and he ended off badly. And God said... Your descendants will not rule on the throne of Israel. And God called David to be a king of Israel. Now David was a man after God's own heart. He knew how to worship God. He knew how to be obedient. He knew how when he had done wrong to repent and come before God and that God would forgive him. And he understood that. Now God used David, and David was a great conqueror. And David had extended the boundaries of Israel to the same boundaries that had been promised to Abraham in the beginning. And God took David and he made a covenant with David as well. You see, David had in mind to build a temple for God. And the prophet Nathan came and spoke to David and said to him, you do whatever you want. Because God is with you. But when Nathan went away, God spoke to him. He said, no, no, take another message to David. And he said to David, and this was the covenant. He said, are you to build a house for me? He said, no, one who comes after you will build a house for me. Now, in one sense, that scripture is pointing to David's son Solomon, who would become, after, become king after him. 
But if you read through those scriptures, it points more to a future king than it does to the immediate king that would follow David. And it points directly to Jesus, who would be a future, uh, future uh, king who would come on the throne. Now, it spoke about a future Davidite king. It spoke about a king whose throne would continue forever. It would be on David's throne. And says that God would be his father. Now, David understood that. Because, you see, it's, it's no human descendant that's going to be on a throne forever. It could only be God. Of course, it points, as we know, directly to Jesus. And we realize from David's reaction after hearing that message from Nathan that he understood this because he went into his chamber and he worshipped God. He said, who am I? What is my family that you've brought me this far? And he worships God for this promise that he'd given to him, recognizing that there will be a king on his throne forever, that that king would be God's own son and he will rule and reign forever. Now after David, his son Solomon became king. And when Solomon sorted out well, he descended into disobedience after, over a period of time. And really Solomon ended in disobedience. And after, after Solomon, the kingdom ended up being divided into two because of the disobedience of the people. The northern kingdom was, was known as Israel, and that consisted of, of uh, ten tribes. And the southern kingdom was known as Judah, and that consisted of the tribes of Judah and ben Benjamin, and was, it was known as Judah. And the kings of Israel are listed out for us if you study the book of Kings. And every one of them was an evil king. You know, you read through the book of Kings and says, and this was the king, and this was his mother, and he did evil in the eyes of the Lord. And the next one, and he did evil in the eyes of the Lord, and he did evil in the eyes of the Lord. You see, the reason for the book of Kings, and when you read through there again, think about it as, as you're reading it. The purpose of God giving us the book of Kings was to ask the question, what went wrong with the kings? Fundamentally, the kings failed. So when you're reading the book of Kings, read it with that in mind. The southern kingdom of Judah, how many good kings were there? Only about half. So even those that had followed more closely with the Lord also didn't follow God. Finally, God said, I've had enough. God said to them, you have broken the covenant. Now, you need to understand something. You know, if you have an agreement with somebody and that agreement is broken, that agreement is no longer valid. It's now null and void. That covenant, and it's referring to the covenant with Moses, it's broken. It's past. It's history. And you ask, and the people asked, well, you know, how, how, did, we, how did we break the covenant? And the word tells us, I am the Lord your God. Follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. Number one, they, they, they didn't keep God's decrees. They didn't keep God's laws. And number two, they didn't keep his Sabbaths. 
Now, the purpose in keeping the Sabbaths was to remind the people of the laws that they needed to, to, uh, to keep. It's like that boundary fence that I spoke about. You see, if you remind the people about the boundary fence, then they know on a regular basis, hey, these are the things that you've got to do to stay on this side of the boundary. And as soon as you transgress, you failed. You've transgressed this boundary. Now, there were a number of Sabbaths in, in, uh, in, the, in the history of Israel. First of all, there was the, the seventh day of the week. Six days you work, seventh day you rest. There was that day. There were the, the feast days in Israel, which I spoke about earlier on. But there was also the Sabbath rest for the land. Every seventh year, the land was meant to be left fallow, but they didn't do that. And finally, there was the uh, a Sabbath rest for the slaves, slaves that the people had bought needed to be set free every seventh year. And the people, together with the kings, didn't observe any of these things. And God said, you've missed the sign of the covenant. You failed. This covenant is now broken. And God says, I'm going to send you out of the land. This is the land that I promised you. If you can't keep my covenants, if you can't keep my word, if you can't keep the statutes that I've given you, I'm sending you out of the land. In the year 722 BC, the Assyrians came and they took the people from the northern kingdom, which was known as Israel, and took them away in, off into Assyria. In the year 586 BC, the Babylonians came and took the people of Judah and off they went into exile into Babylon. Now, I've got a map over there to show you. Uh, it's quite ironic when you think about it, because Ur of the Chaldeans, where, J where Abraham started initially, is exactly where Judah was taken to. They'd gone full circle. Well, God promised them land. There it is. You can have the land. I will bless you. I'll give you descendants, but you need to obey me. Disobedient. Okay, we'll take you back to where you started again. And that's where God put them. And it's interesting if you study the history of Israel and the history of, of what they did there. It's whilst they were in Babylon that the priests started asking this question, what went wrong with the kings? And it was whilst they were in Babylon that they started thinking through and they started instituting the, uh, the synagogue system where people could gather in their local regions, where they could celebrate the annual feasts the way God had instructed them to do. And when God eventually brought them back into the land, he would, they would actually celebrate uh, those feasts. So, God is never without a plan. You see, before God had even exiled the people, he called his prophet uh, Jeremiah and he said, I'm going to make a new covenant with these people. And the new covenant would give the people a new heart. God was going to take away the heart of stone and give them a heart of flesh. The law would be written on the hearts of the people. It, wouldn't be, it would no longer be necessary to remind the people to obey because the, heart, the laws would be written on the hearts of the people. And the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, would move from the tabernacle to the hearts of the people. You see, the New Testament tells us that we have become the temple of the Holy Spirit, and collectively the Spirit dwells within us. And that was the covenant that was pointed to. 
and I haven't got time to go through it all, but you can go and read it. Isaiah 53 and 54, go and read uh, Jeremiah from 30 to about 34, give you the broader context, speaks a lot about that new covenant, and will give you a lot of understanding of that if you want to read that. And finally, a number of hundred years later, Jesus comes along, and he ministers to his people, and Jesus said, I am the light of the world. That light that had been snuffed out at the time of Adam, Jesus brought back into the world. And Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, he said, this is the cup of the new covenant. Jesus instituted the new covenant by dying on the cross and bringing in a new era, bringing in a new phase. And that's the time that we're still living in today. Yes, there's still some fulfillment to take place, but we live today under the new covenant in Jesus' blood. See, the word tells us that we have been made the righteousness of God in him. That sin that we've committed, as long as we have a repentant heart, God takes away the sin. I've often told my home group, the most important scripture that you can remember out of the New Testament is 1 John 1.9. If you confess your sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sin and cleanse us of all righteousness. Because God has paid the price through Jesus. Remember that. 1 John 1 9. Never forget it. Remember it every day. Most important scripture you can remember as a Christian, especially if you want to do wrong. But don't do wrong. <laughs> Be obedient. Okay. So let's just pull this together and. Uh, have a look at a, a summary of these, these covenants. If we can go down to that next slide there. So it starts off there, uh, Adam walked in the light, but Adam was disobedient, and he brought darkness into the world. Noah was obedient, and God gave us back a glimpse of his glory through the rainbow that he provided in the heavens. And Abraham was obedient, and God gave us, or he pointed to a future seed. The seed would be Jesus. And he also gave us an image of the kind of death that that seed would suffer and die. The Israelites, in the Israelite covenant or the Mosaic covenant, they were disobedient. God had to put them out of the land. The covenant was broken. David was a man after God's own heart, and God promised him a future king. Jesus was obedient, and he paid the ultimate price. And I've put those two red arrows there. He paid the price for the broken covenant. He paid the price for the broken covenant uh, with Israel, and he paid the price for Adam's initial sin as well. Jesus paid the ultimate price, and Jesus brought light into the world again. And if we follow him, we can walk in that light. How do we pull this together? As with last week, God calls us to obedience. Throughout all these covenants, as God has revealed his kingdom, as God has revealed his plan of salvation from the time of, from the time of Adam, 
God has been calling for obedience. And God is calling us to obedience today. You see, if you've received Jesus, you have obeyed. But in your walk with Jesus, he's calling you to obey as well. But if you haven't received Jesus, you're walking in the darkness. I'm putting it as blunt as that. If you don't know Jesus, you are walking in darkness. And if you want to get out of that darkness, you need to speak to somebody who will show you the way and pray with you and lead you to Jesus. See, much of the world is walking in darkness today because they've rejected Jesus. God is calling us into the light. And I want to encourage you today. Receive Jesus. Walk in the light. Walk in obedience. Walk and live according to the life that God has called you to. And recognize the covenant. You see, we're generally not covenant people, and we don't understand covenant. You know, when I spoke about covenant last time, I spoke about everything that belongs to one person ends up belonging to the other. Everything that God has for you, he has given to you. He's given you life. He's given you healing. He's given everything that you need for life and godliness right now, right in this place. Walk in the light of what God has given to you. Let us close in prayer. Father, I thank you for your covenants. I thank you for revealing your kingdom to us through your covenants. We recognize that it was a gradual revelation, but it ended in Jesus. It, had end, it ended in the light, the light of life. The light that brings eternal life into this world. And I pray, Father, that we wouldn't be like the Israelites. That we wouldn't neglect such a great covenant that you've brought to us. And that we would follow you and follow in your statutes. In Jesus' name, amen.